0: And so Jacob finally sees God as the Lord of his own life. He sees how big God is, how majestic God is, how near God is. A lot of times our thinking is if he's big and majestic, he must be far away. But how big, majestic, good, and near he is, and it fills him up. He's just, we could talk about what it means to be filled up, but sometimes you just, you know, there are times in life where you're just like, I'm, I'm filled up. My, my cup overflows, and uh, we know that Jacob is filled up, and many of us have met God in this way over the last four years, and I'm so grateful. Um, many of us have had God fill us up, overflow, overfill our souls, and Jacob meets God in this way, and then he seeks to walk with God on a big journey in his life, which is finding a wife. Uh, and he's riding these incredible waves of, of God's promises to him, about what his life is going to look like. And then we see how it actually plays out. Look at verse 1 of chapter 29. It'll be on the screens if you can see them uh, uh, on your phone. Feel free to take, uh, open up a Bible. But it says, Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And as he looked, he saw a well in the field. And behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well, the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, my brothers, where do you come from? They said, we are from Haran. He said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, we know him. He said to them, is it well with him? They said, it is well, and see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go, pasture them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel not had a conversation with her, but as soon as he saw her, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near, rolled the stone from the well's mouth, watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Verse 11, then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was his fa- her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. So kind of the in all the details of this, like he, Jacob is feeling something that many of us have felt before. Some of us maybe would say we've never felt before, but it's where life feels like it's coming together. It's like, man, I've been all sorts of stuff have been happening, and it feels like life is working. Things are coming together. And it's an amazing feeling when you realize that the things that you had been hoping for are happening. That Jacob is going from from this reality of being murdered by his brother. I mean, that was like Tuesday of last week where Jacob is like, my brother is going to kill me. And he is able, he's a hunter. He's able to hunt me down. And Jacob is homeless. He's far from his parents' home. And now he's made it where he was hoping he would make it he's experiencing what he was hoping he would experience. He has seen Rachel and he realizes that she is the woman of his dreams when he sees her. You know, I mean, he's probably like, okay, I'm supposed to marry from this family. I hope they're good looking or I hope they're, I'm attracted to them, you know, because the, the pool that I will choose from will be small Um, Like, he kind of, I think, has that where he's approaching and he realizes, oh my gosh, this is the woman of my dreams. And his emotions show his relief. Now, verse 13. As soon as Laban, Rachel's dad, heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house Jacob told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are, my, you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob after a month, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Health insurance, you know, this many hours a week, this much vacation time, You know, maybe a percentage of being able to own more property over time. You know, tell me, what shall your wages be? Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak. That doesn't mean she needs contacts, doesn't mean she needs glasses. It's a kind way of saying she is unattractive. Leah's eyes were weak but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said this is his idea of what wages he wants, which most of us would strongly wish that someone would just say, like, hey, what do you want me to pay you? Just say it. So what Jacob says is, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. That's all I want. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any of the other man. Stay with me. Verse 20, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. Verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. Okay, there are two... I was trying to like zoom back. There are two powerful resources that we have in this life. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've done to other people, no matter what's been done to you, like every person has two powerful resources at our disposal. We have God's promises. You think about like, Look at everything in your life and everything that you would hope you could have. Having God's promises, knowing they are truly from him, he is truly who he says he is, what he says is true, and he says this to you. God's promises are one of the most powerful resources that a human could ever dream to have that we have. God's promises, and the second is God's presence. His promises and his presence. So it's not promises from a faraway God that maybe one day we'll see, but it's his presence saying right here, right now, I am with you. So every word of his is a promise that we can live on. Every word of his is a promise we can depend on. And then his presence, like we can shelter under his presence. We can be led by him, his presence. We can speak with him. We can hear from him. We can rest in him. So as humans, we have a brokenness about us. And this is kind of unique. I mean, humans are unique, but we have a unique thing where we can take advantage of this. And as humans, we have a brokenness about us. There is a brokenness about us where we can take good things and we can take bad things. And if like the shelf of our soul has like two incredible spots on like the shelf of our soul for God's promises and God's presence, we can do this and put other things there. And man, it's it's true for me and, it, and and it is true for you. Even if you disagree with me, I believe it is true for you, is that we have this brokenness about us where we can take off the true things off, off our souls and put far lesser things in its place. Um, C.S. Lewis, many people have spoken about this. It's throughout scripture, but C.S. Lewis spoke about it really eloquently when he says this. We are half hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Like we're like, this will please me. We are far too easily pleased. So when Laban says to Jacob, what do you want? And he's just, just seen God in his split. Like he could say, I'd like to see God like I did last week. I would like to to feel the presence of God and see his, how he rules over heaven and earth. Like I'd love to see that again. And I'm not saying things with Rachel are bad things. They are bad things when, when it leads us to be far too easily pleased. So when he says to Jacob, what do you want? Jacob says, all that I want is Rachel. All that I want is Rachel. And, you know, I, I think like someone could say, and he's willing to work seven years for no money, for no share of the crop or whatever, seven years for one woman, now, you could say that sounds really sweet and romantic. Sounds, sounds like a man who's really pursuing a woman. That's really beautiful. But it can also be really gross. And it can be super objectifying to Rachel. It can be seven years of a man lusting after a woman's body. It can be seven years of inappropriate, all sorts of inappropriate things and what's amazing is in 7 years there's no mention of god and actually 21 years you see no mention of god from jacob who has been deeply moved by god and now in seeing god's promises carried out he has just locked into this one thing rachel and he's the way he speaks in verse 21 <laughs> Give me my wife that I may go into. I mean, it's like, I mean, any father of the bride should punch a guy who would speak that way about his daughter getting ready to give her hand in marriage to somebody. Is like, dude, marriage is, that aspect is beautiful inside of marriage. And there is far more to a relationship than that one thing. And to, it, this is, feels gross, Jacob's obsession It feels cheap to Rachel, the way that he's viewing this, and his big vision of God that he had in the last chapter is being eclipsed by this big vision of Rachel and how she is going to fulfill all of his deepest longings of his soul. And it's not going to work out well. (laughs) And we're not going to see it resolved here. We're going to see in the weeks to come that um, the the way that God pursues him. Uh, Verse 22 So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. He he goes with it. Um, He agrees with what Jacob demands. Verse 23, but in the evening, so this is seven years in, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah and his daughter to Leah to be her servant, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Interesting, a man who's been known as a deceiver his whole life has now been deceived. Laban said, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, so work for me another seven years, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so, verse 28, and so completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went into Rachel also and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban another seven years. So the best explanation of what happened, how could this possibly have happened is, uh, is just that Jacob got super drunk. They were hitting the wine way too hard And Jacob is so infatuated with Rachel, believing Rachel is the answer to all of his longings, all of his desires. He gets drunk. He thinks his deepest desires are finally going to be fulfilled. And in the morning, Leah is waking up next to him. And I would argue that this has happened to all of us. I'd argue that this has happened to all of us. Maybe that statement shocked you into paying attention because I hope this has happened to none of us. (laughs) Uh, I, I really hope this has not happened to any of us. But what I think has happened to all of us is fixating on things that we think will fill our souls. And if it's, man, I've had times where I was just like, man, once I get this this bow for bow hunting, like all of my life will just fall into place, you know? And I've I've adequately researched bows, and I know this is the one I need in my life. You know, it might be a pair of shoes. It might be something on Pinterest. It might be fixating on that new job, that new relationship, that new workout routine, that new diet that will just make me, you know, look like the most amazing specimen of a man, and then all the rest of my life will fall into place, it will complete me, and then in the morning it's Leah. You know, you know my kids and I have even talked about it, where like they research something and they you know, they save all this money, they buy it, and, then almost, and every time, it's like the anticipation of it was more fulfilling than when I actually received it. <laughs> and in the morning, it was Leah. What does Jacob do when he realizes it was Leah? He agrees to work seven more years for Rachel. He just keeps doubling down on, I know I'm married now to this woman, but this is really what I need. Spends seven more years going deeper and deeper into his infatuation, his desire for, for Rachel, and continues to act like a married couple with Leah. This is full on not the way it's supposed to be. This is completely trashy, sinful, Jerry Springer, like, it's just not the way life is supposed to be. It's not the way that God's people are supposed to live. And God is good, and the way he directs our way is what is good for us. And it's been years since, at this time, it's been years since that vision of God that Jacob saw where he's like, that is my God. He is Lord of my life. And now we're 14, 21 years in, Rachel is finally able. Rachel and Jacob are finally able to be intimate with each other, and he continues to love Rachel and not Leah. He he goes seven more years, twenty one years of no mention of God from Jacob's life. Now, verse thirty one, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, I, I love this about. I, I love how the Lord sees. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Verse 32, And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has also given me the son also, because the Lord has heard. First was like, because the Lord has seen, now because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me the son also, and she called his name Simeon. Then verse 34, again she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, therefore his name was called Levi. These are if if we like really enter into the story, if we really pull up a chair next to Leah, these are some of the saddest verses in scripture. To hear the longings of an unloved woman is heart-wrenching. To have a woman who has such poor, uh, such a poor relationship with her husband, to hear a woman who has such poor communication with her husband that she actually is naming her kids out of the pain in her heart and naming her kids the type of relationship she's wanting to have with her husband and doesn't have is tragic. And it's super sad. She's naming her kids after her own pain, hoping that these names would open up her husband's eyes to her pain. Would my husband see me? My husband doesn't even see me. Would he see me? Would my husband hear me? My husband doesn't even hear me. Would he hear me? Would my husband hold me? Doesn't even hold me. Jacob is looking to Rachel to fulfill all the longings of of his soul. And his Leah is looking to Jacob to fulfill all the longings of her soul. You have two super broken people coming together in a relationship, both looking past each other, both looking to the very, very wrong things that would actually make things right. Leah has seriously misplaced longings. They're in high display. And what's amazing is Leah desires really good things what she desires are good things. She desires to be seen by a husband, heard by a husband, held by a husband. And that is her longing. She, a broken person is looking at another broken person to meet these deep longings in her. She's looking to Jacob to complete her. And man, our culture is so full of that. that that's like our default inside every one of us is will you complete me? Will you complete, look at my phone, like something, please complete me. You don't have to usually argue that people are looking. You know, all the self-help books, all sorts of stuff. And man, we've been a church for four years and the message of the church for the last four years, my hope will be the same message of this church for the next 40 years, which is that God pursues those with misplaced longings. God pursues broken people. God pursues people with misplaced longings. If he didn't, he wouldn't pursue any of us. God pursues broken people. If he didn't, there would be nobody here. I wouldn't be here. And he takes broken people and builds a church. He pursues Jacob, who's been pursuing Rachel. He pursues Leah, who's been pursuing Jacob. Remember, he promised to Jacob his presence. God's promises, God's presence, pursuing Jacob so that those would be the center parts of Jacob. He does that in our lives too. And uh, man, would he continue to do that? Writing the things that are not right in us drawing straight lines with crooked sticks. He continues to pursue us to have God's promises and God's presence take the right place in our lives. And we'll walk away today not seeing that played out in Jacob's life. Jacob's gonna stay here for a little while. Um, But thankfully, there's a breakthrough in Leah's life. And I love there's a breakthrough in Leah's life, and it happens in verse 35. Look at this. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. I mean, that's just what God had to do in Leah's heart to say, if my husband never loves me, if my husband never sees me, if no one finds me attractive in this world, if no one is attracted to move towards me, if for generations, people know me as the ugly person. If for millennia, people know me as the ugly woman. This time, I'm gonna praise the Lord. It's majestic, it's powerful. It's, it's appropriately the way God works. He is good, he is majestic, he is powerful. And we see that ray of sunshine just breakthrough to Leah. This time I will praise the Lord with this son. She named him Judah. Then she ceased bearing bearing kids. So Leah makes this incredible profession, this time I will praise the Lord. I will I will praise him and thank him for a son. Full stop. Even if my situation never changes in life, I will thank the Lord for this son. I can praise the Lord for for providing a son. I can, and she calls him the Lord. Lord is not just like some name; it means the one who leads me, the one who's in charge of my life, the 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 one who has the the call over my life. My Lord, Leah says, I can praise the Lord right now, even if my situation never changes, and I just say. Yes, like Leah, yes, you are beautiful, Leah. You are beautiful. This is beautiful, what you are saying. And what's amazing is this is the son that Jesus will come from. The lion of the tribe of Judah. So when a broken woman finally says, I'm just gonna praise God for a son is where Jesus comes, where we can praise God for a son. (laughs) What Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing in our lives, that God will be the one who has her affection, that she will recognize he is the one who sees her, he is the one who loves her, and that God has, would he have our affection that we recognize that he sees me, that he sees us, that he loves us, and what what I would just as we as we kind of wrap up this I'm starting to smell we're doing tailgating like full on they're like grilling 200 hamburgers and hot dogs on the other side so everybody has to eat at least two of of a combination of those or all of those but man my question just for each of us is like where in your life do you right now need to say this time This time, I'm going to praise the Lord. If it's worrying about your kids, if it's worrying about the church, if it's worrying about whatever it may be, whatever would keep us from saying, once this gets the way it's supposed to be, then I can. Once this is the way I want, then I can. Can you say, I'm gonna praise the Lord. This time, I can look to him I can look to him with a thankful heart, and I'm not wanting to force this, um, but this can be your prayer this morning. Is like, Lord, would you allow me to say, like, hey, if I have you, I have everything. Yes, I can be hoping for things, Leah can hope her husband's gonna love her, like, but to say, God, your promises and your presence is what I need. That is my life. This time, God's promises and God's presence take their place at the center of my life. Lord, we, I just ask that you would—I'm um, not smart enough or slick enough to be able to think about how this applies to every person, and you are the great counselor. You know how this applies to every single person. That, that, that turn that you did in Leah, where she looked—she she took her eyes from her circumstances— and put her eyes on you and her heart's soared. Even if her circumstances don't change for a decade. God, would you do that in each one of us? Would you show us what that looks like? That allows Leah to actually think of Jacob in an appropriate way. That helps her pray for Jacob. So many things get, start getting put in place when you take the rightful place in our life. And Lord, we ask that you would take the rightful place in our life this morning. Jesus, for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, a beautiful way for us to respond is hidden under these trash bags, so we can unveil it. Um, I know you've been all dying to see what's under there. Um, but it's um, it's the elements of communion. And just in the way, this is Jesus' idea. He did this for us, for our meeting with him or communing with him. And what, what we are able to do is to, in a physical, tangible way, we will physically and tangibly give him a bear hug one day. He will probably give us a bear hug first. Like there's so many physical, tangible things that I can't wait to interact with Jesus on. And it's a gift for us to be able to physically and tangibly commune with him through these elements, this was his design for the church. The Gerards will serve you guys. Uh, just c- come up, how, how we usually do, hold your hands out. They'll put bread in your hand, take, take juice. Um, and this is a, a beautiful way for us to, to say this time, right now, Lord, I, I want you in the center of my life. I want you to be consuming. And that's kind of the idea here, is like we're, we're, we're hearing about the Lord, we're hopefully feeling things about God, thinking about things with God, and and even taking His presence inside of us to to nourish our bodies from the inside out is a beautiful thing that happens in communion too. And so, um, if if you have yet put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to do that today. I'd love to. I'll be over here. We can talk about that if you'd like to, or you can just just say, "Jesus, I'm giving my life to you," and then come and and take communion for the first time as a follower of Jesus. Um, Maybe just spend this time talking to him about it, letting him show you it's real. But let's just take a few moments. We'll just open ourselves up to him. Uh, Then let's uh, boldly come to the table, those who have put their faith in Jesus. Uh, Then uh, we'll take the elements, remain standing, and I'll lead us through taking it together as family.